no idea what it feels like to be an adult without alcohol as a constant presence in your life. So just try it. Just take a break. You know, the 30-day break is a great place to start. It's never too late. You're in the exact right time, in the exact right place to be listening to this conversation and kind of opening your mind about the role of alcohol in your life. The way it's used in like movies and TV, the way it's marketed, the way that we have come to think of it is like, this is a tool that helps you become more confident. Consciousness is always evolving and our present perception becomes our conscious reality. Is life happening for you or is it happening to you? A life of authenticity is a life of skillfully practicing your values. You are perfectly human and even when we stumble, we still stumble forward. If you seek truth and move in love, then your family. I invite you to have a seat at our table. You are listening to an authentic outlier, the nocturnal therapist himself, Harry Turner. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Is That So, where we bring in a whole lot of Is That So-ness. And for those of y'all who may be just now becoming fans, poor you, you missed out on a whole lot. I encourage you to listen to all the episodes before this one. But understand that Is That So is about equanimity. Equanimity is the ability to remain serene in spite of being bombarded with so many stressors in life. And also the the, the model that we go by is to stay lit. And what we mean by stay lit is stay living in truth, stay living in your truth. I appreciate y'all for listening to this episode. I appreciate y'all for tuning in, especially my dedicated, dedicated followers. I don't know what I would do without y'all, you know. Now, even though I practiced her last name several times, I fear I need her to tell me one more time in order to pronounce this correctly, but I'm going to do it anyway. Miss Carolina... Zakowska. When she comes out, she's gonna say it one time and I'm gonna have it. I promise you. You're gonna act like I like I'm gonna sound like I that like, like that's my last name. Like I'm gonna have it that close. I don't know. It's just yeah, I look at it in the words to let us mess with me. But anyway, Carolina, she's a certified alcohol-free life coach, alcohol-free Louisiana and above. Do not tune in, do not tune out. I'll stay here. Because it's some real stuff. It's not, you know, this is going to be some real stuff. Like, come on now. All right. And she's young. She's young. All right. So it's not going to be your great grandma telling you, you need to cut that out. No, that's not. That's not what's about to happen. Just, just stick with me here. So Carolina is a certified alcohol-free life coach who helps powerful women make alcohol insignificant in their lives. She's worked with thousands of clients through her online courses and coaching to change their drinking habit and unleash a new level of health, happiness, and potential to go after their biggest dreams. Her book, Euphoric, Ditch Alcohol and Gain a Happier, More Confident You, Euphoric, Ditch alcohol and gain a happier, more confident you. We'll be out on bookshelves on January 4th. And let me just say real quick that I've already got mine on pre-order, you know, because she's she was on this. This is amazing. This is amazing podcast. I mean, brilliant podcast. I really should check it out. It's one of it has to be hands down. I'm gonna say it's a tie with this podcast right here. How much I love this podcast. And when y'all go there, y'all find out for obvious reasons why. But the When Harry Met Daphne show, she was on the When Harriet, that When Harry Met Daphne show, not Harriet, but Harry, When Harry Met Daphne show. And I heard her speak on there, of course, because I'm a co-host there. I heard her speak on there and I was like, she's so brilliant. I have to bring it to my audience so that she can relay some knowledge and talk about her journey, basically, because it's so real. And without me further messing up her last name, I promise you, watch what's going to happen. 
Let me introduce Miss Carolina Zakalvska. Harry, it's so great to be on your show. Thank you so much for the beautiful introduction. Oh, yeah. So, yes, the pleasure is all mine, especially for butchering your last name. Now, come on. Like, I know I know how to say the name. You heard me say it. Can you say your last name for me one more time, please? Absolutely. It's Zadkowolska. And I just want to throw a joke out there. So I'm Polish. And so the joke with the Polish language is that they threw all the consonants they possibly could <laughs> into all the words. And that's why it looks so crazy. So it's 12 letters long. Nobody can say it. No worries. But you got it now, Zadkowolska. Zadkowolska. Y'all heard that, ladies and gentlemen, and non-binary folks, Zadkowolska. Zod Kowalska. All right. All right. I'm, I'm done with that. I'm done. It's just such a fun last name. I love it. But welcome to the show. You know, I really appreciate you coming on here. And so can you please just introduce yourself to the people and let them know who you are? I'm going to step out for a second and let you do that. And then we're going to get into it. Absolutely. You know, and I love how you introduced this episode about really being curious because my life changed when I became curious. And I got curious about a very specific phenomenon on my life. And that was my habit of drinking alcohol. I started really my personal growth journey through this lens of really looking into this habit for myself. And today I've revolutioned my life basically. And, uh, you know, I worked with alcohol free women to reclaim their best lives and just live beautiful truths when they're no longer stuck in this habit that isn't serving them. Um, I'm the author of the book, You Forked Ditch Alcohol and Gain a Happier, More Confident You. That's hitting bookshelves January 4th and pre-order is available. And this book really helps explain why looking into your relationship with alcohol isn't reserved for some people who have already hit rock bottom or have a very severe drinking problem. In fact, that's not where I found myself at all. You know, I, I, I went to college, I went to a party school, uh, UCLA, I went to grad school, I did a lot of partying there, so I can totally relate to that lifestyle. But as I grew up, as I got older, I really tried to tame my drinking down. And through my mid and later 20s, I really tried to put it in a box and reserve it for the weekends, you know, and really make a healthier lifestyle for myself. You know, during the week, I, I did all the healthy things. I worked out, I drank green juice, I did my yoga, I meditated. And then every single weekend, like clockwork, I would either go out with friends or maybe to a dinner or to a game night or just want to unwind with some wine at home. And like clockwork, every single weekend, alcohol was a presence in my life. And the thing is, is that this pattern that I think I had was really normal. I mean, how many young adults drink in this fashion where, uh, you know, alcohol is something you, you, you use to let loose, to socialize, all these different things. And so I really wasn't seeing myself with a rock bottom moment with some kind of, you know, drinking story from the tales of that we, we've heard about from other people. And yet, for some reason, every Sunday morning, I woke up feeling so much shame. I woke up feeling so low. I felt so disappointed in myself. I didn't feel physically well. I felt like all the progress I had made during the week of trying to live this healthy lifestyle was just erased by the weekend. And I felt really like I wasn't doing alcohol right. Like I couldn't quite figure out the balance of it in my life, the right equations of it in my life. And it took up a lot of mental space. So even though I wasn't drinking every day, I wasn't drinking out of sadness, it was all these kind of normal occurrences in an adult life. I was ruminating about it for a lot of my mental energy. You know, I was always thinking like, 
should I drink tonight or not? Like, oh, you know, so a lot of times I didn't even want to, right? It was like, oh, but I don't want to drink tonight. I have an early morning tomorrow, but my friends invited me out, you know, it was this constant stress. And then it was implying these rules for myself, like, okay, well, I'll I'll go, but I'll only have one drink or I'll only have two drinks. And it was this constant like promises that I was breaking to myself. And so not only on Monday mornings was I waking up feeling unwell and just like I erased all the progress I made during my healthy week, I also felt really like let down and like I couldn't trust myself because no matter what I said around, you know, what I, I what I hoped my intentions would be around alcohol, I felt like I was always failing at them, right? And um, it was something that I felt really alone in too. You know, I obviously had heard of people who quit drinking, but in my mind, you know, like the only way I saw was this really traditional you know, you go to AA, you call yourself an alcoholic, and then you're sober. And then being sober is this condition you, you know, you have to deal with your whole life. And I didn't really see any examples of other people just deciding to be free from alcohol, right? Like in this empowering way, in this, in this way that just they decide it doesn't serve them. It doesn't matter what their drinking habits were necessarily. And then I, I, I basically, you know, was putting up with this kind of internal turmoil for so many years that I decided to take a break from alcohol. And I did dry January, which is a popular time of the year to take a month off. And to me, it was like an excuse, like, okay, like, you know, it doesn't matter what social events I have on the calendar. I can just say I'm doing dry January and no one's going to assume anything bad about me. And I can finally just, you know, take this break that I want. And I, I literally fell in love with my life that month. I, I felt like I slept so deeply. I, I woke up every day feeling like I took care of myself the day before you know, and I started really building my sense of self-love and my sense of self-esteem getting rebuilt. Thereafter, I, I did drink a few times in February, mostly because I had this, this belief, this really strong code that I believed that only, you know, alcoholics give up alcohol and normal adults drink, right? So therefore, if I want to be a normal person, I have to drink. And I drank a few times that February and I just hated it. It was just such a contrast to the experience I had during dry January, even a drink or two, literally, it would ruin my sleep. I would get really cranky and uh, frustrated and my moods were like sky high when I wasn't drinking. And then all of a sudden a drink would just lower them. And then I decided to take another break at that point. And that's when I really leaned into what Harry was talking about earlier, the curiosity and the knowledge. Because I was like, there's something here. There's something here for me to figure out. Like I, I haven't been able to figure this out in my in my by myself in my own private mind, you know? There's something here to this. And I started diving really deep into the knowledge. And through the knowledge, I found so much empowering, not only information, but also these new frameworks that completely changed the way I thought about alcohol. You know, because I went from thinking that a drink relaxed me or that a drink helped me socialize to kind of thinking, yeah, you know what? Like, that's not really true. I I don't I don't believe it around alcohol. Therefore, I actually cut off these chunks of my desire from my subconscious. Like, if you don't believe something that serves you, you don't want it anymore. Right. At least it has to do this in the subconscious level. And that moment, that moment really also aided my personal growth, because every day I was showing up and smashing my Achilles heel. And this confidence started spilling out into other areas of my life. And that first year, I launched a business I never thought I could launch. I wrote the first draft of my book, never wrote a page before that. I ran a half marathon, never ran that distance in my life. You know, I got healthier, both physically and mentally than I'd ever been before. And I really started just 
deciding like that, what do I want most in my life? And now I have like nothing standing in my way. Now I can go after it no matter what, right? And it wasn't until that point that I didn't believe anything was that possible for me. You know, it, it was was stuck in these limiting stories and this limiting identity and this limiting personality. Obviously, a bottle of wine at the end of the weekend was like the highlight of my week because I wasn't living into my true purpose, into my true potential. And so now I share with women, you know, in a very curious way about how women and men, I want to say, about how we can become curious about the role of alcohol in our lives and really discover that through a break from alcohol, like you might be able to discover yourself in a way that you've never discovered before and unlock so many doors to achieving what you want most in life. Wow. I wasn't going to cut you off. Like normally I cut people off, you know, maybe like eight minutes ago to cut, you know, you typically cut the person off. But you know what I said? You know what the hell with it? I'm going to see how long she's going to run it. And let me tell you, you put out the whole the whole kit and caboodle. We know it all now. You summed it all up in a matter of about 10 minutes or so. You you look and you ran and you were flowing. You didn't stumble or anything. I, for a second, I thought I was in a TED talk. I said, this is an audio book. What's going on? <laughs> I'm just messing with you. I met, no, but really, you did, you flowed. And I, li- I like your flow. So that's why I didn't want to stop it, you know. But around what age? Let me begin with this. Uh, and thank you for sharing your story. Around what age did you have this breakthrough and change? So I was 30 years old, you know, and I started drinking as a teenager and 17 is not the first time I drink, but that's when I remember that's when it regular started to become a regular thing. You know, I started going to parties at 17. So I was drinking from 17 to 30 and the halfway through my 30th year is when I had this really massive epiphany, you know, and I decided to, you know, honestly, like my life was getting so good. I was like, why would I ever want to go back? Why would I ever want to go back to this, you know, stress, this turmoil, or, you know, even this idea of like wanting to just fit in when we go out and socially like that had trapped me in so many insecurities for so long. I was like, why don't I just say screw it to that and just really see what this new path can lead me to. And it's honestly led me to achieving some of my biggest goals, my biggest dreams. And I'm just so grateful for that. And I have to say, even though like 30 sounds young, like there's a part of me that wish I figured it out a lot earlier, you know, and for anyone listening who might be also older than that, like it's never, it's never too late. You're in the exact right time in the exact right place to be listening to this conversation and kind of opening your mind about the role of alcohol in your life. And so you work with women and men. Do I? Uh, I do. My brand targets more women, just because I'm a, a woman myself, and I lead that with that experience. But yes, I do have both male clients as well. Okay. And so, what do you offer them? Like, what is your what is your technique? Absolutely. So, I'm really interested in kind of the sociological and psychological we ways that we bring in alcohol in our lives and establish it as this firm habit. And if you think about it, most people do start drinking when they're teenagers, maybe college, maybe after college. You know. But around then, when we're really young, really impressionable is when alcohol kind of comes into our lives. And a normal adult will usually pick up this habit then and keep it going, maybe tame it down a little. You know, they get a career, they become parents themselves, but still have this habit ongoing and for the rest of their lives. And we just don't question it until things get really, really bad is the only time we start questioning it. But we don't ask ourselves if like that middle ground, that murky, like a lot of negative consequences come from, you know, drinking both mentally and physically. 
we don't ask ourselves if that's worth putting up with, if that if the benefit of drinking outweighs all that, right? And so when we look at the sociological conditioning of alcohol, we've also come to believe a lot of things tied into alcohol. For example, I mean, the way it's used in like movies and TV, the way it's marketed, the way that we have come to think of it is like, this is a tool that helps you become more confident, more sociable, glamorous, sophisticated, right? I mean, we have all these food and wine shows where if you know the right pairing with your food and this type of wine from this this winery in this region of the world, you're a connoisseur, you know, you have status. And we tie all of these different meanings into alcohol. And what happens over time is that we come to believe that our needs, our human needs can somehow be met with alcohol. It's very subtle. It's very subconscious. <laughs> However, that is what our kind of psyche is doing is it's believing that some of our needs, either for maybe certainty and comfort, our need for like wildness, our need for, like I said, glamour, sophistication, our need for connection could be all met with this drink. Until we look at those needs, we won't sever those neuroassociative beliefs and we'll continue having alcohol be like this, this urge, this craving, that this desire that we have, even if we don't consciously want it anymore. What was your darkest moment? I think it was the isolation that I felt, you know, like there was such a, I think especially because of my relationship with alcohol, it was, it's such a weird topic, you know, Harry, and I, I love that you're bringing so much awareness and light to it because we don't talk about it in society. Like we'll talk with our friends about, Hey, do you want to go get drinks? You want to go to this winery weekend? Do you want to, you know, whatever, but nobody talks about the real effect on their lives. We might joke about hangovers like, oh yeah, I feel real crappy today. We really like put a number last night, but nobody's talking about the real feelings about it, you know? And so I felt this just complete shame cave that I lived in, you know, like when I messed up or I woke up not feeling my best, I just couldn't believe other people out there were dealing with the same thing. Otherwise, why wouldn't I hear about it? You know, when I was trying to do the same exact thing, for example, I had this mental model in my mind of what a healthy woman looks like or a, a woman that has it all. She woke up early. She, uh, you know, smashed it at work. Maybe she worked out after work. Then she went to happy hour with her friends and she woke up and did it all over again. You know, like that was my definition of having it all. And I could not make that work in my life. I was like, one thing does not fit with the other things. And you see this in movies all the time. Sometimes I'll be fascinated to watch a movie or a TV show and watch how much someone drinks or with their friends even drinking and then how much like consciousness they have like an hour later, you know, or like how much just zest they have the next day. I'm like, no, that's not how it works in reality. So because I believed I was doing it wrong, I thought I was wrong. I thought that there was something wrong with me. I really internalized that and I just felt really alone. So I feel like that was my darkest moment is like it literally came from the lack of awareness around alcohol. And, you know, I did a lot of research to write my book. I did uh, I've worked now with uh, thousands of clients and students in my programs. And I have discovered so much, not only about how alcohol affects the body and the brain, but also how common this is. Like every drinker experiences this that it brought so much light, not only to my experience, but also to other people so that they never feel alone either. I mean, even one drink affects us so much mentally, like our mental feelings afterwards and the next day. And I feel like it's not really common knowledge. So that, you know, when you're, you're going through it yourself, somehow you feel like something's wrong with you. You know, I'll just share this briefly, but 
Alcohol will lower your receptivity to dopamine. It actually will reduce the number of retractors you have in your brain. It will also lower your serotonin and GABA levels. And so these are all three neurotransmitters that are uh, responsible for making us feel happy and motivated. At the same time, it also increases the release of stress hormones in our body. So we release cortisol, adrenaline, and dynorphin in our body after drinking. Dynorphin's a kind of the opposite of endorphins. So just good to know it makes you feel pretty low and crappy. So your happiness is going down, these happiness neurotransmitters, and your stress and anxiety and depression is going up. And this is not the effect of heavy drinking. This is the effect of any drinking, right? And I'm not trying to say like, oh, you know, everybody has to quit drinking or whatever. But if we don't understand how alcohol affects the mind, it can be really isolating to feel alone in it. So just- how much did you drink? You know, if you don't mind sharing with the people when you were at your, you know, your worst, your worst or the heaviest, not the worst, but the heaviest you drink, you know. So I like I love to say that I partied a lot in college and grad school because that's actually the, the heaviest I drank. You know, I was going out almost every night and drinking binge drinking for sure. I mean, everyone else was too, right? You know, it's like five glasses or whatever it was. But when I was really in my cycle of being aware of it, I wasn't that aware back then. You know, I was a lot younger and it just felt like this is what you're supposed to do when you're younger. But when I was uh, really caught in the cycle of this like purgatory of being in this moderation illusion, I drank maybe Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sundays, you know, so then I, I tried not to drink Monday through Wednesday or Monday through Thursday. And I would have maybe three one night, you know, maybe four another night. If it was a party, I might have like a zillion. Another night, I might have really been good and only had one or two. So it was this like really confusing thing in my life because sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't, right? So again, just making me feel like there's something wrong with me to not be able to make it work. And I tried so hard, Harry. Like I had a spreadsheet where I actually calculated how many drinks I had every week. And I was always trying to get to under seven drinks, you know, and the math never, never ended up right. <laughs> so when you say you weren't doing it right, like you weren't like getting drunk, right? Or like, what is it? Help me understand, because I don't think. Tell me what the right is that you that you couldn't get right. So I thought like right now I have a complete different perception of it, obviously, that there is no there is no right way to like manage an alcohol habit. But then I basically thought that there was this idea of a, a normal, happy, healthy drinker, you know, and that there's a certain amount of of a limit of drinking and a certain way of doing it that made it, you know, great and okay. And and you wouldn't wake up feeling these low feelings that I was talking about and you wouldn't have disrupted sleep and you wouldn't have any low emotions from it. And I couldn't ever get to that point. And it almost didn't matter how little I drank. I was still always feeling low. I didn't understand why alcohol is affecting, you know, my mental chemistry the way it did. And so I thought I was personally doing something wrong, if that makes sense. So, I mean, you watch a show like, for example, Sex in the City. These women are drinking all the time and then they feel amazing. And I was like, oh, I'm not doing it right because I'm. it doesn't feel like that for me, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So tell me this. Was it merely alcohol that sent you into, I guess, a state of depression and this isolation? Is it is it is alcohol the only substance in your life or rather the the only thing that you've encountered in your life that's like really sit you, you know, set you back, you know, or, you know, you got lost in, you know, it's is the removal of thing of said alcohol. Is that the thing that produces happiness? You know, and for me and for so many women I've worked with and for so many people that I've know this phenomenon like is crazy. Like even light drinkers, middle 
ground drinkers, heavy drinkers, you take a break and something really fundamentally changes. First of all, like there are all those health effects of it. So like physically your body just heals, your your body just does get better. Uh, You feel better, you have more energy, you sleep better. But I think there's so much more to be said also about those mental effects. Like not only do your neurochemicals rebalance and you actually do experience more positive emotions, you also start developing that healthy sense of pride, healthy sense of self-love, healthy sense of self-esteem because you're you're doing the thing you said you'd do consistently and you know, you are waking up feeling loved by the past version of you. When I woke up not feeling well the next day, I would be like, "Oh gosh, like yesterday me, she didn't care about me." She was like, "Oh well, we'll sleep it off." You know, like she didn't love me in that moment, and it actually deteriorated my sense of self-love over time. And so for me, you know, it not only it challenged me in so many ways because like when you're used to having a habit like alcohol, it's really good at numbing your emotions. And so when you mm-hmm. remove it, you have to feel those emotions. And I think a big one that comes up. Mm-hmm. That's what I was about to ask you. So tell me what emotions were you numbing via the alcohol? You know, so it, this is like hindsight's twenty twenty, but boredom, boredom and unfulfillment. So the deepest feeling and the deepest introspection I did much later, you know, after my my initial break was that I was so unfulfilled. I had previously been working a nine to five job. I was kind of stuck in my career. I wasn't living out the dreams I had when I was younger. I'd totally given up on them. And so then obviously alcohol was the highlight of my week, right? It's like I couldn't wait for the weekend because Monday through Friday sucked because I wasn't happy with my career. And I, I didn't understand that. I thought, I, I don't know, I, I thought I was uh, like, you know, you get what you get, you get what you can get kind of thing. And I just kind of settled, right? And so that was that deeper feeling of like, first, I, I, I did feel a little bored, but it kind of forced me to get out of my comfort zone. I had to start finding new things and new ways to create fun and joy in my life. And I tried a lot of new things. I did a lot of new hobbies. I did a lot of new experiences in my first few months. And I eventually landed upon this desire to want to launch a business and to write a book, right? And it was that deeper need to find a sense of purpose and potential that really catapulted me, you know? And boredom's such a funny feeling. Like, if you think about it, you know, we can obviously numb stress. We obviously numb frustration, anger, depression, all these different things. But like, what do most people do when they get home from work? You know, they, they'll they sit down and turn on the TV and maybe, you know, drink a few glasses of uh, wine if that's their habit as well. But like, we are so good at numbing boredom. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like that's that's kind of how we've been, we've been conditioned to do. Or social media, for example, like that's a great one to distract us from boredom. And I think leaning into boredom is actually a really cool tool to find like what your deeper passions are, because it forces so, you to become inventive, to become creative, to, you know, I remember when I was a kid and I felt bored, like I'd go climb a tree, I'd go put on a play, I, I would, I would do all these different things as a kid. And I feel like we lose that with this passive entertainment, this passive manipulation of our brain as we get older, that we stop creating our own fun and our own joy. My belief is honestly that boredom is the sensation or the experience of being disconnected from your God self, from your divine self. Tell me, how do you vibe with that, that definition of boredom? Oh, I think it's very spot on. I think that's a beautiful, and I think it's an invitation, honestly, you know, and if that's how we all will experience moments of boredom, we'll all feel unfulfilled throughout our lives. And it's a, it's this tap on your shoulder, you know, it's a tap on your shoulder to go within, to find 
what brings you joy, what brings you light, what brings your passions through. And I, I really fundamentally believe that when we find our purpose, when we find our sense of meaning, it is a way to give back to the world. Like it almost always is, right? Definitely. Your gift, your gift. Everybody was born on purpose for a purpose with a purpose. And so your gift. So your method then, your, you know, the, making sure that you let people know the life change that can happen from alcohol. And I say myself, I've only really drank in my most depressed states, you know, and more recently over the past two years, I've become... I used to, I used to be able to drink heavy, heavy, heavy. You know what I mean? Like I, LSU, I wake up, drink, I have a bottle of vodka and, you know, head to class, you know, no issues. But over my past two years, even though I wasn't drinking heavy, I noticed that as I stopped drinking or slowed it down, that I could, I became more sensitive to the sensation of the drop that happens because alcohol is a depressant. And so I was so I'm so accustomed to freak to to re- being on this higher frequency that now when I introduce alcohol into my body, I felt the allergic reaction. And then also I used to be able to sleep when I drank. Now, you know, it, if, if when I drank alcohol or if I drank alcohol, I will be wrestling all night long. I'll be restless like it, it just disturbs my spirit, my body and it brings my frequency down. So now I, I choose not to drink alcohol as well. So there is that that you know reconnection that you have you know with yourself as you allow these foreign substances and or spirits that suppress self out of your system and finally abstain from it so i do agree with that you know and so that's this is one mode though as in removing this hindrance to self right because self is there you know who we are who we truly are is there but how much intentionality are we actually, how intentional are we about being, about understanding what is there? You know, intentionality reflects relationship. And so how intentional are you are about looking at self so that you can form a deeper, more intimate relationship with self? And then from that place of being, it's then choose to create. Ergo, you come into the physical plane and you do. Mm. This is how I speak now. This is Harry's world. So, you know, tell me if, if that, you know, if that sounds like uh, some plutonian nonsense please let me know it doesn't i think that there's a lot of meaning and depth to be had when we look within ourselves like this and we let go of the things that don't longer serve us you know and and even those the realizations you had like oh i used to be able to sleep fine or i used to be able to drink a lot and what didn't affect me like that's all that's all very much proven by how alcohol affects the body as we age and our exposure level to it over time so the more we are exposed to it over time a lot of these different changes happen as well. So it's like, it's not in your head. It's not like, oh, those were the good old days. Like, you know, sometimes we are meant to shed old identities, right? So that we can step into a greater, more powerful version of ourselves. And I think it's not about saying no, you know, it's about the yes you're saying for this new path. And you can be so curious about it. I don't talk about black and white things, you know, especially to someone who's who's really new to this idea just experiment with it. Just take a break and see how you feel, you know, because if you've been drinking for years, you know, since you were really young, you have no idea what it feels like to be an adult without alcohol as a constant presence in your life. So just try it. Just take a break. You know, the 30 day break is a great place to start, you know, even, even, even shorter, longer, obviously too, you'll get better benefits, but I think you can be really curious about it as well. And And, and, you're going to have to sit with yourself and discover who you are in that process. It's really beautiful. Like you said. Yes. And let me just add this too. Uh, understand why you're doing it. Even if you don't 
believe that you have an issue or anything like that, let's say you're saying, okay, well, I, you know, I'm a college student or, you know, I like to club, even though I'm not a college student. So, you know, I'm gonna drink alcohol. So I relax when I go to the club so I can be free to talk. What you're saying essentially is that you need to add something from the outside world to who you are in order to fit in which then represents the fact that you already start out at this sense of believing that you are unworthy, that you are not enough. And so it really represents, again, going back to Dr. Tara Brock, that trance of unworthiness that we all must fight out of. And so it's an illusion that you're falling into, you know, this belief that you need something outside of self. You need nothing outside of self. And the moment that you fall victim to believing that you need something outside of self in order to belong, you've lost your path. Mm. That's something I relate to so much, you know, because that's where my drinking really started is just all the socializing. And, you know, I'm an introvert. I was really shy growing up. And so that was my key to being confident socializing and to, you know, being talkative at a party, to dancing, you know, at a party, things like that. And I didn't realize how much I was outsourcing all of those skills that I could have been developing within myself over time to this, this inanimate substance that was only telling my subconscious more and more like, you need this to be better. You're not good enough on your own. Nobody wants to talk to you, Carolina. You're not interesting. You don't know how to dance. You're you're a fool. You need alcohol, right? And can you see, even though you're not actually saying those things out loud, you can't, you subconsciously are. That's what you're telling your subconscious, your psyche, right? Like you can't dance without alcohol. Who do you think you are? And it tears you down and it actually wears down your self-worth over time. And then you never actually build that skill or that confidence up. You know, if every time I went to a party, I actually dealt with the feelings of feeling insecure or, you know, nervous, I would have been making progress every time. And so instead of emotionally growing, alcohol emotionally stunts you and you'll have the same type of insecurities, if not compounded, because alcohol is telling you even more how you're not good enough on your own, you know? So it's just, it's a beautiful journey to lean into. And especially I think with socializing, you know, we get so many just such a norm. And and obviously my people might worry like, well, what will someone think of me? Will they think I have a problem? Will they, you know, whatever it is. And I just want to share real quick too, that like it's upwards of 60% of people drink way over the health guidelines today. And I'm, so I'm guessing just, just minimally above the health guidelines, we'd be up at like 90% probably. And over half of people who drink actually wish they weren't drinking. They want to drink less or not at all. So when you think of like, oh, what is someone going to think of me when I don't drink or I go to this party and I say, no, thank you. Remember in the back of your mind, half of the people here also wish they were doing this. They just don't have the courage to do it yet. And I think that gives you a power, a real big power to stand firm in your choice and stand firm in choosing yourself and your well-being over fitting in. Because you're fitting into something that is such a false notion of belonging to begin with, you know? Yes. And, and, and again, it puts you on a certain frequency. It always drops your frequency because it's a depressant. And so you go to this lower frequency. And if you say, I need to drink in order to go to the club, then that lets you know that you're choosing to be amongst a low in frequency or be involved in a low frequency activity in a low frequency environment. So now the question is, why do you enjoy a low frequency environment so much? Mm. <laughs> That's a deep do you not one. thank yourself more than that. I love questioning people based off of you know, the Socratic method and because it's not about what I know. My wings can't make anybody else fly. It's about what it is that they know and then guiding a the person deep, deeper into their knowingness. You know, so, OK, I need to drink in order to have a good time at this space. Well, why does why why do you need to lower your frequency? Because that's literally what alcohol does to go into this space. Well, because it's a low frequency space. So why are you spending so much time in low frequency space? Well, that's because that's what everybody does. So 
why are you choosing again to jump off the bridge with everybody else? Now, I understand that that's what everybody else does. You know, I know you want to experiment. Hey, experiment. Have your fun. You know, understand that 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 is not fun because sometimes you got to have what you think is fun in order to understand that it's not fun. So go out there and experiment with life. But understand this. Don't deny the truth. The worst lie that you can ever tell is a lie to yourself. That traps you. That keeps you in a cycle of 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 not selfness. The cycle of doing things that do no that do not serve you and keep you suppressed. You need add nothing to you. You are perfect imperfection. The day that you remember that, and then you begin to live into in that truth, understanding that you're continuing to develop more truths and collect more truths about who you are as you journey through life. The more that you do that, the more empowered you become. And then you, as you move into that truth, you also exercise more power in this physical reality because now you have more access to self to self and so that in that space that's when you realize that manifestation begins to rapidly pick up and synchronicity begins to pick up as well because in that space now you're in touch with your god self which is in touch with every single thing on this planet mm. that's so true and i i feel like my connection to my intuition and that sense of uh that divine around me, the guidance around me, however you define it, like it just increased tenfold, you know, because you, you lean in, I think for so long, you know, whatever it is that we're dealing with, we, we are just ignoring our intuition. There's always that little voice, you know, there's always that knowing, you know, we, 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 we shrug it off. We, we don't listen to it. Oh, everyone else is doing this, you know, but when we finally turn to it and listen to it, it strengthens this incredible bond with your deeper knowing your deeper deeper, higher self, you know, and, and also your connection, I think, with the beyond, with the spiritual world, with whatever you your belief system is. And when then you make that connection, it's like, oh, now we're friends, right? Like now I can tell you more messages and then more and more and more uh, intuitive kind of insights will be coming to you, more connection with the divine. And it's just this beautiful unfolding. And it's yeah. so funny, you know, I'm here like four years into my journey and there's just so many life dreams I've had that have that I have achieved that like are possible just because of this one break I took from alcohol. I can't even imagine what my life would have looked like if I did this in like my early twenties. Like I'd be like a multimillionaire by now. You know what I mean? Like that's the way I look at it. it like I feel so lucky. I don't drink because I get to have all this because of it. You know what I mean? That's the way I really see it. I feel mm. lucky that I don't have to drink. I don't have to put up with that charade, that whole culture. I can step out of it to choose my best life. So tell me, Carolina, what is it that you have to do since you don't have to drink? What is it that you have to do for yeah, you? I, you. Now, this yeah. is, of course, a very personal question here, but what do you have to do? Yeah, I think I have to. And this is uh, this will be always evolving, but I have to live out my fullest potential. Like I have to reach my deathbed knowing that I went for it all and mm. that I never, you know, this will this is a cool way of asking it because. I, that will keep growing. That definition of what my potential is, is capable of will continue to deepen over time. And so I think that for me is the major, major goal in life. And, you know, from as far as we know, we have this one life to live, you know, and I don't, I don't want to ever reach the end of it and feel so much regret for the things, not the things I did, but the things I didn't do. Which is primarily not getting to form a true and intimate relationship with yourself. And when I say God self, for those of y'all who are confused, you know, you just get lost by that terminology. What I mean is that the part of you that is connected to the divine. So your higher self, you know, simply put, you know, uh, and it goes beyond religious sex or anything like that. It's, you know, spirituality. When you move into that space and you tap into that frequency, 
you begin to see that connective tissue called love and you get to see yourself being one a small part of the larger tapestry that is this the connective tissue that is love that connects every last one of us, all living creatures, you know, and when you begin to move into that space, you get to see that your worth is is so much more than what you ever thought it was. Is there anything else you would like to tell the people? Because we've been running it for a little minute. Absolutely. You know, so I think this this theme that we have tonight of just curiosity, like strip away the meanings that society has placed on this this behavior, this social convention, strip away your own desires to want to, you know, unplug at the end of the night and really just get curious and lean into, you know, yourself and this 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 questioning of whether this one habit, this one tool that you picked up a long time ago is really serving who you want to become in the future. And like we said earlier, like sometimes we we position things of like, oh, it's a no in your life or like you can't you can't do something anymore. And I, I just I hate thinking of it that way. It's really a yes you're saying to something bigger. And think of it with marriage, you know, like technically when you get married, you are saying no to all other future dating partners, right? And yet that's not what marriage is about. That's not what your wedding day is about. All you can think about is the yes you're saying, the yes you're saying to this soulful communion with another person to really devoting your life and building, a, you know, a whole new home together. And I think of it in the same way when it comes to, you know, some of the old unhealthy coping mechanisms we pick up in life. It's not about saying no to them necessarily. It's about just getting curious, you know, maybe taking a break, leaning away from them so you can discover what that yes is that you're saying to. And if any of this piques your interest, you know, I just want to shout out my book real quick. So the book's called Euphoric Ditch Alcohol, Gain a Happier, More Confident You. And it really just shares this, this message for the mainstream. This is not a book about alcoholism. This is not a book about addiction or in the psychology section. It's actually found in the healthy living section because that's what I believe alcohol-free living will do. You know, my cholesterol dropped 51 points when I took my break from alcohol. I've become fitter than I ever was before. I just feel so much more mentally strong and resilient. And this book will really share with you all the benefits you can expect when you take a break from alcohol from your body, mind, and soul. So it really dives deep into the health benefits. It really dives deep into the mental benefits and also the, the reconnection with deeper soulful things in your life, like gratitude and presence and connection. And then it will also give you an eight-week plan to actually follow so that you don't have to do it alone. You don't have to you know, be confused. You can actually get a framework to lose your desires for alcohol while you're taking an eight-week break and really set yourself up confidently to deal with the social situations and find new ways to relax after after a hard day. So, you know, you can get your book pre-ordered right now. We have some really cool bonuses available when you pre-order, including a checklist for 50 things to do instead of drinking. And so that's where like that boredom really comes in again. It's like, let's lean into boredom and see what you're really passionate about and start start really living life a little differently by doing things differently, right? Like alcohol, not drinking doesn't allow me just to feel the way I want to feel. It allows me to do the things I wish I did, right? It's it's the action that I take now that's just so profound and so different from me. And so this uh, book will help you, you know, just a, a quick why and a quick how, you know, to really get started. I really, again, I appreciate your story and the fight that you, the struggles, the challenges that you've had. Harry, thank uh, you so much. It was a huge pleasure to be here. So there you have it, Carolina. And again, I'm not going to say the last name because I, I know I can say it now, but I'm not going to say it anyway. But y'all, y'all heard it, y'all. It's such a pleasure to have her on there on the show to talk about this extremely important topic, definitely down here in Louisiana, you know, because I know we were 
She said USC, LSU and USC. I believe that we were uh, definitely competing against one another, let's say, you know, shall we? So thank y'all for listening to this episode of Is That So? And again, life, the motto, my mission is to assist others in developing the audacity to live unapologetically authentic. Is That So-ness is about equanimity, which is the ability to remain serene, in spite of being bombarded with so many stressors. And when you move into your truth, when you live in your truth, then you become lit up for life. And as Bob Marley says, you bring light to the darkness. Thank you for listening. Agape. Stay lit. Do you tell your time what to do? Or does your time tell you what to do? Are you living or are you merely existing? Are you constantly reacting or are you responding to life? Mixed beliefs create confusion, and confusion creates a life of stagnation. Desire change? Visit www.becomeanoutlier.com slash about. That is www.becomeanoutlier, becomeanoutlier.com slash about, A-B-O-U-T, to start your journey. Stay tuned for more episodes and keep listening to the nocturnal therapist himself, Harry Turner.